Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everyone to episode 18 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. That's right, it's the No Debt Growth Strategy called Affiliations. By now, hopefully you've all seen the press release that we sent out about this innovative strategy, and I can't wait to unpack some of the details with you today. I know this is gonna be a note-taking episode, so get your pad and pen ready, and it just might require something better than a cup of awful Keurig coffee. Maybe a cup of coffee from Amila coffee maker. That's right, Perrin got a new coffee maker. I can't wait to share that with you as well. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is off and running. Sit tight. Welcome everyone once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. And as I said in the introduction, we've got a lot to unpack today. I'm really excited about today's episode. This is one that DeWalker and I have been working on for quite a while. And hopefully you've all had a chance to see the press release we sent out about our affiliations growth strategy. We're going to unpack what it means to be an affiliate and to affiliate with a larger group. We're gonna talk about profits interest units. We're gonna talk about growth strategies that require no debt. And we're gonna talk about how to build a world beater group practice. This is the third month in a three month series where we have been focused on the value of equity, what equity means. We've talked about equity from a cap table merger standpoint, We've talked about equity from an equity role standpoint. We talked about associate equity and executive equity. We've even unpacked two different concepts around associate equity called restricted stock units and profits interest units. You guys and gals in the audience have learned a lot about the value of equity over the last 60 days. And I said this was going to be a 90-day tour de force and that we were gonna cap it with something special at the end, and here it is. Because many of you have chosen to grow your practices, your groups, by acquiring other practices instead of using a de novo type of an approach. That's understandable. There are a lot of dental practices out there, and there are a lot of dentists that own those practices that are looking to transition. An affiliations growth strategy is something significantly different than your run-of-the-mill growth strategy based around acquiring practices. So we're going to dig deep today and talk about that. Here is going to be a little bit of something different than the way we normally go about our podcasts. We get nice reviews from all of you out there in the uh, podcasting listening audience, um, and we get a lot of compliments about our podcasts. And people really like 
the podcast because it's digestible. It's 20 to 30 minutes. It's kind of like candy. You can listen to it on your way into the office in the morning or the way home in the afternoon, maybe on the treadmill or your bike, maybe over lunch or between patients. And that's the way we intend the podcast to be consumed. And I'm glad that everybody loves it as much as they do. That being said, this may be a different type of an episode. And what I mean by that is you might want to listen to this episode and then you might want to save it and go back and listen to it a second time with truly a pad and pen in hand. This subject matter is not going to be readily apparent to you and it's going to be a different way of thinking about things that you might actually want to take some notes on. I hope I can live up to the billing that I'm creating right now for it, but suffice to say, we're really excited about this strategy we're calling affiliations. So let's unpack it a little bit. Let's roll through some of the details and let's talk about it conceptually to gain a better understanding of what affiliations is and what it could be for you and your group. Here we go. Let's start with the concept of something called an equity role. I think everybody has heard enough of our podcast and probably many others, or seen webinars, presentations about something called an equity role. And the concept behind an equity role is that you've built a great practice or a group, and you're looking to exit, and you want somebody or a private equity group or a, an industry um, enterprise level DSO to buy your business, and you're going to sell 60% of it, put that in your bank account in cash, and you're going to roll the additional 40% in equity into the new company or the parent company, right? Everybody's heard that concept ad nauseum. That's nothing new. What I want you to think about though is why do you want to roll equity? Like what's the, what's the intended purpose behind it from, from your standpoint, from the seller standpoint? Well, the reason you do that is a couple of things. One, you believe in the entity that's acquiring your business. And you also believe that that entity can create something bigger than you can create on your own. And you want to share in that upside. You want to go along for what's known as the second bite of the apple, right? So that equity role concept is not foreign to anybody in our audience. That being said, we're not talking about equity roles today. I do think it's important for you to understand the concept and the motivation behind an equity role. And I want to relate this to an equity role because it's something that you are familiar with. So hold on to that kind of mindset and that train of thought. And I'm going to differentiate it with affiliations in just a few seconds. Another podcast we had probably um, 30 to 45 days ago centered around associate equity. And DeWalker and I talked a little bit about a concept called profits interest units or PIUs. And the concept around a profits interest unit is one whereby the associate can help the current business owner or founder create greater economic upside, greater valuation essentially, than the business owner or founder could create on their own. And if the associate is able to do that, that economic upside is split somehow between the founder and the associate. 50-50, 60-40, whatever the split is, doesn't matter. But the idea 
is that the associate in this example only creates equity for himself or herself if they can help push the business value above a certain threshold. And if they do, they're in the money, they share in the equity. And if they don't, well, everything that was built prior to the associate coming on board still accrues to the the founder of the business or the existing owner. So there's no equity created. It's really a pay to play type of a scenario, isn't it? It's a put your money where your mouth is. It's a scenario where if the associate can can create dramatic upside, then he or she will share in that upside but the founder of the business will share as well because they created the original foundation for the value of the business. So profits interest units is a concept that while it's probably new to a lot of people in the audience, it's one that's very well established in corporate America, in the legal world, and a lot of other uh, sectors of the economy. And it's a tried and true methodology for creating equity opportunities for highly motivated people and employees. So keep the profits interest unit um, concept in mind as we walk through affiliations. What if we could create a profits interest unit scenario at an enterprise level, not just an associate equity level, across an organization and across multiple practices that would be affiliates of the mothership. This could be something that could be dramatic. It could unlock unbelievable value across the organization for both the the DSO level entity as well as the affiliate practice entity. Again, profits interest units are a shared equity opportunity if both parties can create a greater outcome than either could create on their own. And that's the beauty of it. It's real equity. It's real appreciation in value of the business. And I'd like to think it's really a win-win solution because if the mothership, the in this case, the group practice or DSO, can't provide any value to the practices that it affiliates with, then there's no equity that's earned. And on the other hand, if the solo practice owner in this instance, the affiliate practice, can't partner with an established DSO or group practice that helps them unlock additional value, well, the existing value just accrues to the affiliate the way it naturally would in a solo practice. So the win-win scenario is both parties coming together to create economic upside that neither could create independently and on their own. And that profits interest unit type of an arrangement is the key to unlocking the value from a legal context. So what's the journey for an established group practice or DSO and an affiliate practice, a solo practice essentially? Well, typically the journey is one whereby the intent of both parties is to come together but to have an exit at some point in the future, okay? So this is, you've heard us talk a little bit about a, what we call a build and operate strategy. Uh, it's predominantly built, you know, building a business for cash flow purposes, and it's what we call sometimes a lifestyle business. You could do that with affiliations, but I don't think that's the right tool in the toolbox. Affiliations are a fast ramp for growth that places a premium 
on operational effectiveness and efficiencies, and it unlocks value for both parties along the way, but it really unlocks a tremendous amount of value upon exit. So usually an affiliation type strategy, I, I say usually 95 times out of 100, the strategy is going to be with an exit in mind. The exit, however, is not a quick flip, okay? There are a number of people who are interested in forming a group really quickly and taking it to market in six months and selling it for a premium. And you've heard us refer to that as a duct tape DSO, and that does not work. So this is not a quick flip six month type strategy. This is probably a two to five year strategy to aggregate the local market, to find practices that want to affiliate with an established group and to build a bigger business that ultimately will be transacted. It will be sold to either an enterprise level DSO or a private equity type group. And it will create a dramatic exit for all parties concerned, but it's not a fast ramp to exit. It is a methodical strategy that's based around execution and, and shared upside for all parties. So let's unpack a few more details here. And the first I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna address is a group practice owner. So almost all of our audience are entrepreneurs who happen to be dentists who are building bigger groups and they love the journey. They're entrepreneurial in nature. They like growth, they like to execute, they like building businesses. And we all talk about what a management company or DSO is. And let's be really specific here. It is an entity that furnishes administrative services to the practices it manages. And if it's good at what it does, it lowers the cost of those services and it increases the efficiencies. The management company also typically has the opportunity to help grow the revenue line through things like marketing services, could be recruiting associate dentists to come work in those businesses with the help of the chief dental officer to train them and coach them up and make them effective clinicians. It could be the ability to expand the uh, capacity of the business, either through outright expansion like a, a renovation, adding space, or it could be adding days and hours to increase the, uh, uh, the opportunity to treat more patients. And it also could be adding specialty services in the context of a group dental practice that is a, a, um, a general dentistry practice, obviously. So the efficient delivery uh, of services across the board, the reduction of costs of those services, and the increasing of revenue um, overall is one that is critically important to unlocking the full potential of any practice that that, that management company works with uh, and manages directly. And if you have that, and if you can build that, and you can point to the results that you create from a quantifiable standpoint, you have the ability to unlock value and unlock value for a lot of people beyond just those who are looking to sell their business. So now that we talk about the efficient delivery of services in the group that you've built, 
let's talk about target practices that might be right for an affiliation type of an arrangement. Up to this point, many people, almost everyone, understandably, thinks about acquisition-based growth strategies from a fairly limited context. And when I say fairly limited, here's what I'm talking about. When you think about growing your business through acquisitions, you're typically looking for a seller who is either going to walk away at the point of sale or walk away in short order thereafter, a, a finite time frame. They might work a year, two years for you, and then they're going to retire, in which case you're going to try to replace them with, uh, with a young associate. Those, th that segment of the marketplace, those sellers are later stages of their career. They're late 50s, 60s, some, some age range like that, but they're very, very close to retirement. Those are the practices you're looking to acquire, um, but they're fairly limited, I would say. Um, across the entire span of the practice of dentistry, they're fairly limited. I mean, what you don't tend to look for in terms of an acquisition target is somebody who might be mid-career. Let's say they're in their mid-40s. They've, they've been a practicing dentist for 20 years and they got 20 more years to go or something like that. Um, they're not looking to sell their business. They've, quite the contrary, built a very good business. They enjoy owning that business. They enjoy the income that they derive from that business. They may have an associate in that business full-time or part-time, but this is certainly not a dentist that is looking to, to sell outright his or her life work at this stage of the game, at least. They want to continue for the indefinite uh, future and continue to be the owner operator of that business. And consequently, those that are mid-career, those that have built really good businesses aren't on the, the, the radar for those of you who built group practices because you feel like you can't acquire a business of somebody who's in mid-career. They don't want to sell it. They don't want to wave the white flag. They don't want to capitulate and say the game's over and, and they're ready to exit their practice. They want to continue to practice in it for a long time. So what would happen if you were able to approach somebody who might be mid-career, who's built a really good business, that is making good income out of that business, but doesn't want to sell it? How, how might you be able to approach them from a partnership standpoint or an affiliation arrangement. What if you could bring some value to that solo practice owner in terms of helping them improve some of the efficiencies in their business or lower some of the costs in their business or expand possibly the number of days and hours because you could help them recruit an associate to come into their business, or you might be able to help them from a marketing context, or you might be able to help them realize some of the benefit of some specialty type services, and on and on and on. In other words, what would happen if you could help them unlock some of the pent-up value in their business that they've hit a ceiling on, that they haven't been able to unlock on their own? What would it be worth it to them to do that? if you could be the resource for them or the solution for them. For any additional value, might that solo practice owner be willing to split 
that value with you, 50-50, 60-40, whatever the percentages are, doesn't really matter. But whatever the value is that they've created up to this point is theirs and theirs alone. They would maintain ownership of the practice and what they've built up to this point would remain theirs because frankly, you haven't helped them build it up to this point. It's really about unlocking the economic upside in terms of valuation, distributions, and growth beyond what they've been able to create on their own. That shared upside is a compelling value proposition to a mid-career solo dentist that feels like they've hit a ceiling, but they're not ready to walk away yet. They also probably don't have, uh, they don't have it in them from a risk tolerance standpoint to go out and acquire another practice. They don't want to take on the debt. They don't want to have the management headaches, et cetera, et cetera. So they're not really willing to take on more risk, but they'd love to participate in the upside of everything that's going on in the business of dentistry right now. That's a really compelling valuation or, or value proposition that you can bring to that type of a solo operator that they can't do on their own. So let's talk a little bit about execution here, because this is, this is really the ultimate prove it type of a model for you and the group practice and the, the management company DSO that, that you've been able to build up to this point. If you really believe in that management company and that efficient delivery of services and all the secret sauce that you've built, then you can help people unlock value in their own business that they can't do on their own. But the ability to execute on that delivery of services is a must. If you haven't created that yet, then you don't really have anything compelling to pitch or to offer to a potential affiliate. And frankly, the likelihood of you creating a lot of economic value beyond what they've been able to create for themselves is not that high. So I think you have to have that established management company or DSO that provides for all those efficiencies and, and revenue generation and cost reduction that I mentioned before. If you do have that and you are able to execute on it, and you are able to create growth for that solo practice owner, then the economic upside in terms of both profit distributions as well as valuation increase is really compelling. And profit distributions um, aren't really the primary reason that you do an affiliation relation, uh, arrangement but they can be beneficial. I mean, it is leftover cash out of the practice after debt service, um, and, and it does count. But I think the real compelling opportunity here is that we know that a solo practice is on a market-based multiple really only going to fetch between three and five times EBITDA. If you're able to build a group that sells for six times, eight times, 10 times or more, then that valuation multiple would translate all the way through to that solo practice owner that built a successful business that was capped at three to five times EBITDA. Now you're able to help them unlock more value than they could unlock on their own. And if you can do that, you share in the upside along with them. But 
some of that valuation accrues back to you and the group practice that you've been able to successfully build and that, frankly, the DSO that is the catalyst for unlocking all of that value. The difference in the valuation multiple is something called arbitrage. And that's a concept that DeWalker and I have talked about a couple of times on the podcast, but it's it's the multiple above which the solo practice owner could create on their own where they're the real beneficiary, but you get the added benefit of more EBITDA in terms of volume of the entire group. So arbitrage is a, a very real phenomenon in this type of a scenario. Now, the arrangement between the solo practice and your group practice has a lot of uh, tethers or tentacles or tangents to it, one of which is a management services agreement and their management fees that you command for that. Again, this is the fees are really to offset the cost and, and delivery of those services. That's not the compelling reason to get rich off of management services fees by any stretch. Um, but there is a contractual arrangement between the affiliate practice and the mothership that does tether those two together. Beyond that, there's probably a healthy amount of what I would call change and change management that would need to take place for things like accounting services. You want to be on the same uh, common income statement format with the same uh, accounting firm that's going to certify all of it. There's a lot of legal um, agreements in the background between uh, operating agreements and legal structure. There's drag along, tag along rights, um, all of that kind of stuff that that is part and parcel of the entire arrangement. And these can be some stumbling blocks uh, from time to time for doing something like this. But there has to be something that that truly ties these businesses together and doesn't make them look like it's a duct tape DSO. I don't think you need to change practice management systems and things along those lines. There's not a reason to necessarily rebrand the affiliate practice or anything like that. But certainly there are some, some uh, command and control functions, I would say, that would tether the affiliate practice to the mothership to make all of this a reality. Um, and, and it's worthwhile to explore some of that. There are a lot of other considerations related to where assets live. Um, current assets, assets versus newly purchased assets, where debt lives, and a lot of uh, specificity around that that really I'm not going to go into in a podcast because that's just kind of getting in the weeds with a lot of it. But the reason I, I bring that up is that you know beyond just the operational delivery of services and the, the growth potential um, that this type of scenario unlocks, there are um, a lot of contractual considerations um, around how all this works at a mechanical level that we need to be aware of. And obviously we need to work with accounting firms and see, uh, and, uh, legal firms that are fluent with all of this. So there, there are a lot of details to, to be solved for, for sure. If we are able to unlock value for the affiliate practice, and if we are able to get all the contractual arrangements dialed in, Let's talk a little bit about outcomes now, because that's the reason we do this. And again, this is not a, a quick flip, all right? I don't want you to think like throw a lasso around a bunch of practices and take them to market in six months and hope that an acquirer pays us an obscene multiple for it. That's not gonna happen. But in an affiliate and affiliation relationship, this is something that can provide for a faster ramp for growth. Because in theory, 
when you create that backend management company that provides for the efficient delivery of services, you can start to bolt on affiliate practices pretty quickly. And you can bolt them on because never once have I talked about taking on a bank loan to do it. That is key to this. We opened up the podcast today by stating that the title for the podcast was a no growth, a, a no debt growth strategy. And when I say no debt, I mean take not taking on more bank debt or new bank debt to do it. So the affiliation arrangement does not require bank funding to because there's you're not acquiring anything on the affiliate practice here. So the ramp for growth can be significantly faster than if you're using bank funds to grow. Additionally, the target audience that would be affiliates of your DSO is very different from a mindset, probably from an age range and an overall satisfaction level than a typical seller audience is. So the value proposition to an affiliate is significantly different than your typical acquisition type target. And you need to think about them differently because their motivations are significantly different. They would love to be part of a growth strategy that helps them continue to build and unlocks more value before an ultimate sale would happen. And that greater upside for the affiliate practice and the greater valuation for the group owner is really where the win-win scenario comes in. And that's creating a bigger business together than either of us could create on our own. Once again, you take on no debt to do it. This is a remarkable growth strategy if you understand the value of the equity in your business and you understand and are confident in the execution of administrative and growth strategy type services that you can provide. Affiliations are a significant difference than anything that's in the market these days. And we hope that you understand at a conceptual level how this could benefit you and potentially how it could benefit a number of people in and around your general marketplace. It's a topic that is revolutionary. It's very innovative. Walker and I have been working hard on this for a while. Obviously, we work with a number of law firms and accounting firms to, to streamline some of this, but I hope that you find it to be something that is really thought-provoking, and I hope that you, you consider it as part of your overall growth strategy. Feel free to drop me an email anytime at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Stick around. We'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. So thanks once again for uh, joining me and, and being in the audience today. This was an exciting one for us. Uh, and I hope that affiliations lands really well with the audience out there. Uh, DeWalker and I pride ourselves on, on being innovative, you know, and um, uh, that is one of our core values to, to bring a level of improvement through innovation 
not just to our business, but to the marketplace and to think about things differently and um, uh, from, from really helping entrepreneurial group practice owners unlock more value in their business from an execution standpoint, but also from a conceptual standpoint. And I think you're starting to get a, a pretty steady drumbeat of that uh, in terms of the way we approach things uh, here at Polaris. So genuine thanks uh, for all the support from so many people and, and for being in the audience. But before we close, I have to fill you in on something that is equally earth-shaking um, than the affiliations announcement that we sent out earlier. I couldn't send out a press release about this, but it, it was a long time coming, as all of you in the audience know. And that is that Perrin and Lucy Desports, my wife and I, bought a new coffee maker. That is right. I've been talking about it for a while. I've been slamming Keurigs, which I'll continue to do. Don't worry about that. It's still terrible coffee. But this thing is a Mila coffee maker, and it's a model CM6350. Whatever the heck that means, I have no idea. It's a German coffee maker. So, of course, they have to name it some cryptic alpha numeric character thing that means nothing to anybody in the marketplace. The heck with any of that. This thing will do everything but scramble eggs in the morning. It is flat out awesome. We did a lot of research. I did get a good bit of input from uh, people out in the audience, and I genuinely appreciate that. This is one of those Super Zoom coffee makers that makes espressos, it makes lattes, it makes macchiatos and cappuccinos and whatever else it makes. And it makes a killer cup of coffee. It is uh, fresh beans, ground. You dial in a lot of different settings. It takes a little bit of trial and error to get it just right the way you like it. You can have different profiles for me and Lucy in the terms of the way we, we like to drink our coffee. Uh, and it is flat out awesome. I am thrilled with the purchase. It's supposed to be super reliable, judging from the reviews that were online. A lot of feedback from owners talk about how long these things last and, and really has been a lot of fun. Um, and, and now that I, I feel like I have a coffee maker worthy of my habit, now I'm in search, uh, in an internal search for the perfect coffee bean. <laughs> so guess what will be the, uh, the uh, requested recommendations going forward now that we've solved um, the coffee maker aspect of uh, Perrin's needs for the world. But I'll probably be asking for favorite coffee, uh, whole bean recommendations from the audience to go in the meal of coffee maker. For those of us, um, or for those of you who are out there in the audience and are looking to throw away your Keurig and are wondering what to replace it with, this thing is uh, at a different level of the budget that a Keurig will be. I'll say that. We, uh, we did spend some of our daughter's college fund on it. She'll get over that, you know, and maybe by the time she's 18, she'll be drinking coffee and be highly motivated and a good student, all that kind of good stuff. But suffice to say, this is a great addition um, to the family armamentarium that uh, gets us up and going in the morning. And I couldn't be more thrilled with it and highly recommend it to all of you in the audience. I had a great bit of fun today on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me and uh, again, I really hope that y'all are getting a lot out of uh, these podcast episodes and feedback we get from the audience. It seems like you are. If you do, 
please do leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. That does mean a lot. The ratings are are coming in uh, frequently now, and, and I'm glad to see that. Of course, if you've got questions, feel free to submit them to me directly at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com, and I'll read and answer them on an upcoming episode. And if you want to find out more about who we are, what we do, and how we do it here at Polaris, you can check out our website at www.PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.